Welcome to Learning Through Math, the podcast. I'm Laura at I Teach the Why. I'm Karina at Mrs. Cousins 5. Our mission is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion. And hugs. You can find us at learningthroughmath.com and on Twitter at Laura and Karina. Come and join us on this journey of learning. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this in April of 2023. And welcome to episode 106, How Do You Plan? So this is a part two or maybe part three. I don't I don't know. We I don't know. Back by back by popular demand, I think. So we're gonna talk about planning today. All right. First we wanna give a shout out to Sasha Wise and Amanda Jansen, Mandy. Sasha had tweeted something about the rights of a learner and Mandy put on there, these are so cool. I like the right to feel stressed and the right to pace myself. Haven't seen those. And then two little hearts, which I love. And you and I talked about how we're both going to reflect on the rights of a learner. Yeah. It's so funny. Our, we did not plan this. No. And our reflection was both. So I haven't shared my reflection, but you start with yours. Go ahead. Okay. This week, you know, I'm working with three small groups for in fifth grade with math. And yeah. we're, of course, we're still de- dealing with fractions. And this one boy said, I'm so confused. And I said, yes. Hey. And yeah. And he goes, no, no. I just said, I'm so confused. And I go, I know that's so great. And he looks at me with like, all the confusion on his face. I said, this is when your brain is going to grow the most. I'm so excited for you. And that's probably, unfortunately, the first time he's ever heard that from a teacher. Probably. For sure. Because who else reacts like that besides you and me and a couple of other mathy people, right? Yeah. And people who have read Rough Draft Math or (laughs) people who know about the rights of a learner, right? Yeah. What was yours? So my reflection is about number five of the rights of the of a learner, and it says the right to not be defined by what you say at one point in time. So let me take you back to uh, the episode where we talked about chat GPT. So today uh, with GPT-4, are you ready what I found out, what I've learned Wait, wait, wait. GPT? G- wait, wait. GPT-4? The number four? Yes. Yeah, yeah. so ChatGPT was GPT-3, oh. and so now there's GPT-4, so it already has evolved, right? Okay. So ChatGPT-4 might be pursuing internal goals that are not mirrored to ours. It has also shown sparks of greater intelligence than humans. Okay, Laura. So I'm no longer excited about about um, uh, GPT four. Um, I'm a little bit more um, hesitant on, on my side. On my unco- side, uncomf- uncomfortable now. Scared because because Learned. that takes me. <laughs> you're putting words in my mouth. Um, <laughs> that takes me to um, Ultron Avengers. Uh, where Ultron, you know, like now we're living in a movie Um, and Terminator 2 when the rise of the machines, right? Uh, So now now I'm a little bit more more careful. 
I Robot. Is that the Will Smith movie? I, I haven't seen that so. one. Wait, what? Okay. Oh, well. Yeah, I don't think go I ahead. Have. You'll you'll get another <laughs> new appreciation of being scared. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so I I have the right to not be defined by what I said. <laughs> um. I so I'm still, but I mean, I am still very excited about the pos- possibilities. But hearing that this morning, and I just heard this this morning, uh, hearing that this morning kind of shook me a little bit because I'm like. Uh, the the fact that I mean, let me just say that again. That just it the the idea that GPT four might be pursuing internal goals that are not mirrored to ours. That that statement makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, so anyway, there it is. I mean, how could it have not come to this and beyond? I mean, you're right, right. you're making an artificial intelligence. You're trying to make it mirror human thought and eventually emotion. And obviously it's, I guess that, is that it? Like I didn't read the article that you saw, but is this about it wanting to like take over the world? Right. Well, and uh, unfortunately they don't really know. So there is a letter or a petition or something, something that was just put out. It was like Elon Musk and Steve um Wozniak? Yes, thank you. Yes, uh-huh. Steve Wozniak, the creator, the original founder of Apple, Apple. right? Yes. Yeah. So he both of them are two that have signed this uh to just ask to pause GPT uh like evolution, I guess. Just How so that do you we pause can, it? I don't know, but they just they're asking to to just pause it because there's so many things that are like it's happening too quickly, I think, and and we don't have uh, like a system in place, you know what I mean? So, for example, when you have this artwork that is being produced, you can't tell a fake from a real, and so there needs to be like a watermark on on a picture that shows that it was made by AI, you know, so because you're going to have all these deep fakes of of different things. I just want to say hello, like didn't we predict this? Right, do, right. Do any I mean, of these yes. People watch movies. I mean, <laughs> so it's an exciting time, but it's now it's uh, yeah, that statement kind of got me a little bit more worried. So anyway, so wait, it is. I, I think even I now that you mentioned this, I yeah. think s- some country, maybe it was China, Italy it in my feet has asked to ban it. Yes, I think so. Italy. I think Italy. I think I saw that. Okay. I mean, I just scrolled right past it because I was like, oh, whatever, whatever. But, uh, uh uh-huh. Yeah. Well. Or to set up parameters, right? There needs to be parameters because right right now there isn't. It's like a free free for all and open market and that's not going to work out very well. Like that's going to, that's going to, there's going to be problems with that. So we need to, we need to have some restrictions. How do you restrict AI? I don't know, but... (laughs) How do you even create AI that's this this intelligent? I don't know that answer either. I don't know. Either. So yeah, that's above yeah. my pay grade, right? Yeah, same. <laughs> same. But it's okay. all very cool. I mean, that that's that's where we are in humanity and civilization. But uh, but now we need to um, yeah tone it back a little bit. <laughs> See, Whopper in War Games, he, the machine was going to release nuclear weapons. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. get off of that uh, bandwagon. Get. I'm going to jump out of that rabbit hole and yes. tell you some good news. Now, listeners, Karina and I haven't talked to each other all week. And um, so she. I don't even think she knows this. But when mom and I were out last week on our Sunday adventures, we mm-hmm. were at a restaurant with her best friend. And then we were walking around. Oh, I. we actually walked across the street and went on the beach. I, we, I took a picture. Yeah, we weren't like wow. close to the water because the beach up there was super far from the water oh, and it okay. was okay. hot. I was wearing jeans. Like I wasn't prepared for, you know, 90 degree weather in right. March. Beach. Yeah. So anyway, we're walking back and we passed by this restaurant and it had some outdoor seating. And all of a sudden I look and there are number blocks that this little kid is playing with. So I immediately left my mom and her best friend. I walked over to the table and I think it was like a mom, a grandma, and this little boy. And I was like, hi, I'm so sorry to bother you. Are those number blocks? And she said, yes, my son loves them. I said, would you, I said, I'm a math teacher. Would you mind if I just, I'm not going to take a picture of your son. Can I just take a picture of the number blocks? And she's like, sure, no problem. And she voluntarily told me that he knows all of his numbers, all of his letters is like, so I don't remember, did she even say he started adding and subtracting? And she goes, it's all because of number blocks. And what he had created were the numbers 14 and 15. Okay. Personally, I didn't even know it went up that high. I thought it was just one through 10, but the kid had these little figures with wheels on the bottom and two different ones that were 14 and 15. Cool. Isn't that cool? cool? Yeah. So of course I tweeted that out, right? And of course I tagged, I'm trying to think of the word now. Whew, it's been a week, right? I tagged hand to mind and yes. I said, did you see that tweet? I think so. Now that you say it, now I think I remember it. Yeah. I'm showing, I'm showing wow. Karina the picture. Yes. Okay. Yes. So somebody replied from hand to mind and said, can't find that in a happy meal. And I said, well, maybe kids should, you know, maybe hand to mind. Maybe you should partner with McDonald's and let's get number blocks out there even more. Yes. Um, Can I get like a, some kind of percentage of profit for that idea, you know, when number blocks just explodes, that would be great. Thanks. Thanks. Hand to mind. (laughs) That would be, that would be amazing. Yeah. Let's get them into happy meals. Right? Yes. I think so. So, hmm. All right. Make it happen. Not me. I'm just the idea person. I'm the visionary like Pam, right? (laughs) All right. So, Let's get into today's episode, how yep. to plan. We're going to, I think we're going to start with just thinking about a unit, Laura, yep. and then maybe going a little bit more uh, like specific. Or, and and I, I do want to, I, I do want to tell our listeners, this. we literally just got off our rough draft math book club meeting about chapter yeah. four. And I asked members of the book club, what do they want us to talk about? And one of the things was how to plan a lesson. So Karina and I, you know, we've talked about this before, but maybe it's more general what we've done. So we're going to 
hopefully narrow down our focus, right? Sure. And I just want to say a disclaimer as far as planning in the past 31 years that so many changes have come down from uh, the district, but also in the way that I planned. So the format has definitely changed as far as even what I put on my own paper. And I don't even mean to like computer-based, you know, planning because I'm a writer. Like I'll have the whole template, but then I'll write stuff out on it. And then also changes as far as the content because I've taught different subjects for 31 years, but also we've had different curriculum. Even if you're, you know, a fifth grade teacher for so many years, you've, oh my gosh, if you've been in this district, you've probably gone through at least, I don't know, six different textbooks (laughs) over the past 31 years. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I don't know about you, but I start with the whole thing. I'm a hold apart kind of person. Uh, yeah, I think I am too. I, I mean, I think what I want to kind of talk about first is, yeah, I, I, I want to kind of also say my disclaimer is that things have changed for me since COVID. So pre COVID, I think I had way more flexibility when it came to what I did in my classroom. Post COVID, things have been more restrictive. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that has been because the reality is there are no subs, right? So, or there's very little subs. So at my school, I am lucky that subs actually do want to come to our school and we do, we are able to have subs, but in our district, there's many times, my husband tells me all the time how at, he's never, he hasn't seen a sub like all year. So at his schools that are very low socioeconomic, uh, you know, the grade of the school is very, also very low. They're a DA school. So like the state comes in and observes and watches and all of that is so hard. And it's hard to retain teachers because the stress is infinitely larger at a school like that than at mine. And there are different stresses at my school, but it's it's just not the same. It, no. it really isn't. So subs won't go to schools like that where the highest need is. And it's hard to get teachers at that kind of school because, again, that's high need school. So things have changed, you know, because because of that, because we don't have subs, we don't have those resources. Many times we have to split our classes and they go to other classrooms. So when we are not teaching the same thing on certain days and our, our lessons are different, it makes it very difficult to split those kids and to give them to, for it not to be a waste of a day. So I, I just kind of want to say that part of it first. Um, so I'm I feel much more restricted in in the amount of time that I spend on certain things that I know students need versus I need to follow the scope because of our circumstances right now. Yeah. And you're shaking your head, Laura. <laughs> Give me some feedback. No, it just it's it's so frustrating because yeah. we know the kids need more time with math yes. and mathematical yes. thinking. And I'm sorry, but every single year, the domain we do the crappiest on is geometry, measurement, and data analysis and probability. Why? Because we're trying to shove that information into them in one or two months. And the kids have no time to synthesize their learning, to really learn it. Right. So, duh, 
No wonder they always yeah. do the worst because we give it the least amount of attention. Right. It did. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Let me. Calm it's okay. Right now. <laughs> no, yeah. I I totally get That's it. Where we like are it's... right now. That's yeah. Where we are right now. So anyway, when I talk about like planning as far as going from the whole unit down to the lessons, I have to see it in front of me on paper. I know you're the computer person, but I yeah. print out a monthly calendar. So when I look at the whole unit, then I kind of do backwards design, right? Because we have to know the whole thing in order to figure out where we're going to start. And then I will basically put lessons on, and I don't mean lessons from a textbook. It'll be, let's say we're doing, I don't know, um, okay, we're, we're somewhere in the geometry unit right now. So it might be classify triangles, classify quadrilaterals. Um, what, what's another thing that like followed that? Cause I know you're ahead of me. Quadrilaterals, volume. Vol. Okay. There was, so, a, there was a bunch in that, in that unit. There was like, there was a lot. Yeah. And so I would write that on a calendar so that I know what concept I want to teach each day. And then I would go into it, into each lesson and hopefully like pick a great task as well yeah. as figure out what manipulatives I need. Actually, manipulatives I probably would look at in my unit plan, right? I would yeah. say, okay, I got to make sure I have all of these ready to go instead of lesson by, obviously when I get to lesson by lesson, that's when I would say, oh, you know, I got to pull these out or we've got to use this manipulative today. And then, yeah, I, I mean, exit tickets or check your understanding. Obviously that's something I'd want to use, which, oh, we found out today one of the rough draft math revision thinking is give the exit ticket at the beginning of the class period, let them wrestle yes. with it, use use it as productive struggle. And then as they go through the lesson, that's when they can revise their thinking. And by the end of the lesson, if they want to revise their exit ticket or your check your understanding, they can. Yeah, which is quite brilliant, right? I, I love that idea of giving it ahead of time and kind of actually it forces them to have that opportunity to revise. That's what you're doing, right? Yes. I, I think I kind of need to talk about reality versus how I wish it was. Because I, again, I I, th I think that's the pre-COVID and post-COVID, right? I, I think pre-COVID, I, I was in like how I, I did what I wanted to do. I had right. more, way more flexibility. And now reality is I, I don't have that luxury anymore. So Can I, I just say I, one more thing. I, I yeah, just want ahead. to say this was our first year with the new standards. So that's something yes. else that we had to cope with. Totally. You know, and totally. then there's a little bit more. Yeah, uh, there's a little bit more, it, especially for the new standards. There's there's more things there. I don't know them as well. So exactly. I like just on Friday, I taught range, mode, mean, median, which I have never taught. So I told students like ever, ever, I've, I haven't taught that. So I told students, I'm like, I'm learning with you for this and we're going to learn together. And I probably won't be doing it to the best of my ability, but that's okay. And we'll just, we'll go through this together because I've never had to teach this. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll, we'll go back to what the definitions are. We're going to, and I think I said, I think that'll help you a lot too, because I don't remember these. <laughs> I don't remember what the mean is and the median is and the mode is and the range, you know, well, range I do, but uh, because that's like in the, you know, we use that a little bit more, but anyway. Right. 
I just, I think being honest with them is also important and helpful and they see that you're a human, you know, they see your humanity and they can empathize with you. I In rough draft math, they said teachers need to empathize, but I think that students also, it's important for them to empathize back with us and see us as humans because then they don't put us up on that, you know, perfection pedestal yeah. that oh, the teacher's always right, or the teacher's the sage on the stage, right? Right. And the other thing is, you know, we've been told since the beginning of the year that our window for our last assessment is going to start May 1st. Well, for um, right before spring break, we were told, oh, no, the window for K2 is going to open mid-April. Uh, yeah, so now, so now we're like two weeks. at least two weeks, yeah, for K2. Yeah. So what what do you expect? Right. That's brutal. All right. So go ahead with your with your planning, what you wanted to say. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think that if I had the luxury, right, again, if I had the luxury to do what I wanted to do, I would I would definitely backwards plan. I would look at the assessment and I would see not not to teach to a test but to see what what are going to be the misconceptions that are coming up that I need to kind of bring forward, give an opportunity for those to be presented in the classroom so that we can, you know, talk about them and discuss them. And what are, I don't want to say easier questions, but like what's the progression almost, right? So like, you know, in building thinking classrooms, we we consolidate from the bottom. I almost want to consolidate from the bottom on an assessment, right? Like how, yep. how what is the lower, easier kind of questions, which is always the just right there, the naked number problems. Those are always the ones that already have an image, right? They already have an, uh, a model to those more sophisticated word problems, multi-step word problems, et cetera. And multi-select so, word problems. And mul- Right. Multi-select. Oh God, those multi-select. But yeah, so just looking at the end goal, right? And of course, I mean, above all else, even before that, I think I have to retrace my thoughts here, but uh, is knowing the standards. Because if you don't know your standards and you don't know what the, what is that word? Oh, the content limits. Thank you. Like the content limits and the, yeah, the, the things like the parameters. Yes. Yeah. The parameters of the standard itself and, and those item specs, you know, that we used to call them item specs, but those are really important to know before you even tackle anything else, because an assessment doesn't have everything. Right. And you need to know this, the standard. So let me just say that first and then, and then go back. But yeah, I mean, you want to have an end goal, right? Where am I going? Where am I headed? What is it that I want them to do, be capable of doing? And where are they coming from? So looking at the fourth grade standards and understanding what do they already know how to do and where am I taking them? You know, what are the, what's the moving forward? What should they know how to do? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, this is still my, my, this is not my reality. This is my, this is where I wish. (laughs) Okay. Right. This is how I I wish. I started with. What your reality is, like or that how it was. You're restricted. No. You're, you know, and yeah. My reality uh, is I'm restricted. So how I really plan is I do take a look at. So I do take a look at the calendar. I take a look at how many lessons are in the unit, 
because again, like I said, I do have to stay with my team. If anything happens and we get broken up, you know, those, those classes split, I need to be very close to what they're doing. Now, Which, that does I mean, not mean it's impossible. <laughs> I know. I know that. You know that. But yeah. that does not mean, though, that I teach to the textbook and we do no. every page. Like, I don't. The textbook no. hasn't been written in once. I have pulled out pages and sent those home for homework as review, but I don't. I don't do the textbook. So when people say, you know, oh, um, did you do page 247 today? I have no idea what page that is. Like, so no, but this is the lesson I did. This is the standards that I did, or this is the goal, the objective. This was our I can statement. You know, this was what I was hoping to come across in this task. So I do use the textbook for that to just stay with everybody. So for example, right, let me, I pulled up my plan for one unit. I just decided to pick the multiplying fractions one. So I have for lesson one, and it really does just follow the I can statements from the textbook. So lesson one was I can multiply fractions and whole numbers. Lesson two, I can use models to multiply two fractions. Lesson three, I can multiply two fractions. Lesson four, I can find the area of a rectangle using fractions. Lesson five, I can multiply fractions greater than one. Lesson six, I can predict the relative size of a product. Lesson seven, I can multiply fractions by choosing a method. Lesson eight, I can solve real world problems with fractions. And then a day for reteaching and then the quiz. So that's basically what it looks like. That's not necessarily what I do, right? Right. Because to leave real world problems at the end, we've talked about this, to leave it for the last day is not something that I want to do. Yep. So I'm always, every day, giving them a task that is a real world problem. Because if if we just do naked numbers all the time, naked number sentences, they're not going to get where we want them to be or where it's, we need them to be. It's the same as if the first lesson was estimate, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you all don't need to spend one whole class period on that. You infuse it throughout, throughout. every day. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. So, so I, you know, I'm saying this, yes, I follow that, but I don't. I don't necessarily follow that, right? So when it says I can multiply fractions, I mean, that's really, you're looking at the procedure now. You're looking at just numerator times numerator, denominator times denominator. Well, I have infused that idea through patterns and relationships of fractions as they have done them with the models, right? Because that's what I want them to see, but I want them to see it not me telling them. So when I when we do models, I'll always ask them, what do you what do you notice? What do you see? What do you what are you observing? And they very quickly notice that you just multiply the numerator and the numerator and the denominator. I don't need to give them or provide them with that information. They right. really do. Uh, the parts that they have a harder time with and this is where I want to I think about what do I want to spend my time on? They have a harder time with understanding those relationships, right? That as if if I have a fraction that is greater than one, that I'm multiplying by a fraction that is less than one, then the product will be between them. 
and right. not greater than them, right? Or if I have two fractions that are less than one, then they're going. it's going to be a fraction. The product is less than both of the factors. Like those relationships are so difficult for them to grasp. They're so used to seeing that when they multiply, the product is greater than both factors. Right. Back to one of the rules that expires. Yeah. Um, that's why I think using worked examples, especially in the example you just gave, yeah. is could be so powerful because if you have five correct worked examples with the models instead of just this and this and this I don't I don't know if our kids are ever going to see it right but if they have a whole bunch at the same time maybe that's yeah you know a, a good thing and oh I forgot to thank Jenny Bay Williams at the beginning of the episode to say yes, that's uh, she answered my my question. Remember, I was like last week. I don't remember what this is yes. called. Is strategize first steps routine, and so yes. when you don't have to finish a problem, you can just talk about well, how would you do this? At you know, what what are your first couple steps to do? So thanks, Jenny. Yes. I knew you'd get back to me on it. <laughs> okay, let's come and back. That's to a great one. Your, so yeah, how- and you had mentioned you had mentioned that you do it on you did it on paper. So that failed incredibly for me. That was not something that worked for me. I could not I could not do that. I I tried for a long time doing it all on paper. Uh, I think the first I want to say like the first uh 13 years I tried doing it on paper. Like it's just recent that I said forget this this isn't working. Yeah, so what would happen is I would forget the paper at home or I would lose the paper around my classroom. Oh my God, I would, I would take the paper. I have everything planned for the week. And first, and let me back up a bit. I would never remember what I wrote. So like I would have this, these beautiful plans that I wrote down and then, you know, come to the day. I'm like, I don't even remember what it was that I said I was doing today. So I would look on my paper and then my paper became like my Bible. I had to, I had to have it with me at all times whenever I taught. But then I would be with a small group and I would leave my paper on my on my like read aloud chair or I would leave it at a kid's desk or I would leave it on the side uh, where I had my coffee or I would leave it, you know, like I would leave it throughout the class and I'd be like, where is that damn thing again? <laughs> I've lost it. <laughs> so the paper did not, and I put them into sheet protectors. I know. I, because Clipboard. when you like when you yes oh my god clipboards yeah i tried that too that didn't work so it did not work for me but it took me 13 years or 12 years whatever to figure out that i really just need to do it on slides so that was a saving grace for me so i really plan day by day so i do mm-hmm. have like an outlook of where i need to be and what i need to be doing but I go, I go day by day. I think about what, first of all, did I get through everything I wanted to get through that I had actually planned for that day? And that if not, always I just, no. <laughs> right? I just move it over to the next day. Okay, we'll revisit this or we'll, we'll go back to this activity or whatever it is, right? And then second, if they do, what I like about it is that it, if they do, didn't understand it, if they if there were like huge misconceptions or huge gaps, then it gives me the flexibility to go back, right? And it doesn't mess mm-hmm. up everything that I wrote down on paper. Like that's what I think also what I didn't like, that if if I wrote it down for a week, 
I couldn't change anything or without like erasing everything or, oh my gosh, Laura, I don't I'm know I'm laughing <laughs> because that's what I would do. I would just cross it off and just, or put an arrow and, you know, move it over to that day on my paper. <laughs> oh gosh. And okay, so many wait. times I would write wow. something and wow. I would be like, oh, I know that this is going to be so great. And then a Monday morning comes around because I did it on Friday or whatever. Monday morning comes around and I would – or sad, Sunday night even. I did it Sunday night. Monday morning comes around and I look at my piece of paper and I'm like, what the heck is this? I don't even know what this was. Okay. But <laughs> I, I do want to say that – okay, this would be like my unit plan on my calendar. My daily plans, I would write them after I did my plan – after I taught. Okay. Okay. And maybe that comes with experience too, but okay. on my on my written calendar, that's where I would just write, you know, um volume. Like during your planning or, time you would write it or like immediately after the lesson? Oh god, no. Maybe like, you know, a Friday afternoon or a Sunday or something. Like I had my my calendar, my paper calendar of stuff and then I would write on my daily lesson plans what I actually did. Like Right, right, right. But when would you write on your daily plans? Whenever I did it, you know. But that yeah. day. You would no, write it oh that God, day. No. It, I mean, maybe sometimes that day, but who has time? So I just wouldn't would remember. Like, yeah, I'm I'm trying <laughs> to remember because it was now we're talking it was at least eleven years ago, but no, I take that back because the year of COVID, the beginning of that, is when I had to teach fifth grade math one fifth grade math class. What did I do? I don't know. That's a big blur too. I probably did the same thing. I probably wrote it on my scrap stuff. And then, geez, by that time, mm, maybe I did put it in the computer. Like I typed it. I don't know. I don't remember. I I, I just don't know if I if I would get to the end of the week and be like, oh yeah, I, I this is what I did on Monday and this is what I did on Tuesday. I mean, I just don't know if I would remember that. But I would, okay, on my... Okay, now I'm I'm remembering things more. You're bringing okay, it back right. to my memory. So I would okay, write good. on each day like numbers one, two, three, four, four. And number one, I would write like the number talk that I would do with them. Okay. Okay. And then number two would be, um, God, what would it be? Like maybe the task, but I would shorthand it on there because I knew what it was. Right. Right. And then I would take pictures with my phone and put it in the white book app. So if I absolutely had to go back to it, I could. And then I don't know. God, now I'm going to have to. I still have them. I know I do in my room at school. I'm going to have to go and look it up and see what like numbers three and four was. Four might have been the exit ticket. So maybe three was like whatever practice, quote unquote, that I was giving them at that time because I didn't know better. Right. Yeah, I, I think you're right, though. I, in what you said right there, I or what I caught from what you said is that our planning evolves and changes over time. Because as you're a new teacher, you are very dependent on every little thing, right? Oh, I'm going to go from this 
to this activity or from this task to this task or this to you, you have to have that planned out. And then as you have gained more experience with the curriculum, with the standards, with the students, then with you're able to that you know, with resources yes. that you know. Yes. Yeah. You're so I'm better able to like I know like my lasagna problem. Right. I know when I teach division of fractions, that lasagna problem has to be there, right? Uh-huh. And I have another problem with like cornbread and I have another one with tacos and nachos. Like I have several tasks that I are tried and true and they they get to what I need to get to. So those are the ones that come up. So yeah, I think as you go, as you learn, as you as you age like a fine wine, <laughs> you you get you get better. Just like wine, you get better uh, at at knowing what's going to happen, right? And to anticipating those things that you're going to do. It's the toolbox, um, you know, we our bag of yeah. tricks or our, you yeah. know, whatever's up our sleeve or back pocket. I would love to know where all these sayings came from, you know, but it's true <laughs> yeah. because yes. I, I can pretty much walk into any elementary classroom and if the teacher has to step out for something, I can take over and not do their plans because I don't know what they plan right. and I'm right. certainly not using the textbook, but I would say, oh, okay, yeah, I can do this. So for example, how funny, the mean, median, mode range, I actually did that yesterday because I was covering for SBT and I know they're going to get to it that is going to be deeper, but I gave them, I kind of front loaded it with the fifth graders and thanks to our friend Elise because she and I talked Thursday night and she's like, oh, have them use playing cards. And I was like, tell me more about that. What would you do? And you know, give everyone. I was like, I don't have time for that because I could have 15 minutes. And with one group, I had like 15 minutes with them. And so I said, well, I'm going to, you know, just use one deck. I'll have three kids pick a card. And we did mean, median, mode range using three cards. And then I added, I was like, to another kid, I was like, here, pick a card. And they picked a fourth card and a fifth card. And only one group, I actually, I think I got to five or six cards because the teacher was, you know, her SBT load was bigger. So she was gone longer. And at the end, she came back in. I wasn't expecting her right then and there. And I had just given each table their own set of cards. And I said, tell me what your numbers are, least to greatest. And I wrote them up and I wrote numbers one, two, three, four, five. I took a picture of it. I sent it to the teacher and I said, could you just put this up? And I told the kids, I want you to pick two out of those five problems, any two, now P.S., two of the problems had the exact same numbers. It was like oh, number wow. two and number four. Both of those tables ended up with the exact, because I used every face card as a 10. So I think yeah. they had multiple face cards. I, I'm so interested to see if any kid comes back and says, here you go, and uses those exact numbers, like the same number right. problems I would if I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, at least I got them started with that. Yes, for sure. But again, if Um, I hadn't pre-taught, like taught that in the past, which I have because I've been teaching longer than you and it used to be a fifth grade standard. Yes. And if I didn't talk to Elise the night before, then I wouldn't have come up with, you know, oh, here's this great task we're going to do. And they were so excited when they saw me. And I'm just, I'm 
shuffling the cards just in the air and they're all like, ooh. And I was like, we're not going to do a magic <laughs> trick. We're actually going to do some math. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. But if I can just go back to my slides for a little bit, I I that has really helped me. You know, the, that anxiety of Sunday night – I used, I really did used to dread like, like sometimes going to bed and then, then wake up waking up in the morning and not knowing what I was teaching because that's happened so many times and it's, it's not fun. That's not a fun way to start your day No, when you have no idea what you're doing. So for me, making slides every day has just helped ease that I'm not a morning person either. So it has helped ease my mornings and just has made me way more comfortable and ready to start the day. So I I make slides and I don't, it's not like I'm, I'm not presenting. I'm not standing up and reading slides. That's not what I'm, what I'm doing. So let me just give you a, like an example of a preview of what I put in. So for instance, so when I, I do, I teach math first thing in the morning. And I have a, like a good morning slide, you know, grab your Chromebook, grab your write in your agenda, hand in your homework and work on whatever it is. If there's, if there's morning work that I want them to do or something like that. So that's always my first slide. And then recently what I've done is I've also included a, a quote to start our day. Right. So I, I'll start with that. And what does it mean to you? And we'll just start. It's almost like our morning meeting, but our meeting is at the end of the day. So right. at least this way, it allows me to just kind of set the tone for the day and a goal for the day. So I just started doing that. And then and then I start math and I start with some kind of number sense routine. So whether that's a cube conversation or splat or a number talk or a problem string or whatever it might be, that might already be written there so that I don't kind of have to think on the spot or right. have something written somewhere, right? It's already there and I'm just following what I need uh, or what I've already planned. And uh, and then I'll have usually my – that's when I go into my white book. So I'll introduce the task uh, and we always talk about, you know, and it's a word problem. So I always talk about visualizing the word problem. What model do you think you're going to use? What are your first steps? What operations might you be using? So kind of get them started. And then off they go. They do their white books. I consolidate, you know, doing all of that, maybe a check for understanding and then go into small groups. So everything is is just structured and I just have to click through my slides. Right. And a lot of times we don't make it to something. I, you know, if I if I don't feel like, if I feel like they are a little uh, off task already, I might do something a little different, you know, or like small groups might not end up being small groups. I might want to do another problem as a whole class discussion or a white, you know, where they're at their own independent individual desks and doing a, a whiteboard mm -hmm. activity task. So something like that. So that, and that helps me just stay on, on track yeah. with what yeah. I, I have and what I need. And especially, like I said, teaching all subjects, it's a lot to have to keep track of. So having it all on there helps me and it relieves, makes me feel a lot less stressed in the morning, a lot less stressed the night before. So it's been good for my mental health. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. You know, it I'm really sure. has. It's just, it's like a weight has been lifted because I, I, I have a plan and it works for me. Like right. that works for me. Ex then we have to do what works for us. 
I yeah, can't go the off of your of the lesson plan. You can't go off of my right. lesson plan. I mean, I right. don't know how subs do it. You know, that's a whole other topic. But <laughs> <laughs> listeners, the challenge that we have for you this week, of course, we'd still love you to join us for our book club, Rough Draft Math. But we'd also like to know what kinds of topics you'd like us to talk about. You can either reply to the tweet that Karina puts out about this episode or just tweet us anytime or send us an email and we'd love to to talk about what you want us to talk about. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag learningthroughmath. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you too.